five someone before you were seated. I didn't say slap somebody, I said high five somebody. Some of you take advantage of things, you know. We have some pastors in the house, the Roofners, and thank you for being here and uh, sitting with your family. And we are just so, uh, just honored to have you with us, knowing that for many years you have pastored well and your name is known. Lord bless you. We've been talking about the body of Christ, and we're going to be doing that for quite a while until uh, God says to change the title. And, uh, but we, we began last week talking about that the body of Christ is generous, and we began to answer the question, am I generous? And again, I have the privilege to stand before you, and I want to read you a scripture and tell you what is my drive, what is my uh, passion, and who I am as the called part of the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4.11 it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service or ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up, so that the body of Christ may be equipped until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow, I love what I do. I love what I do in, in ministering to the body of Christ. And I want to say to you, is if I accomplish what I am to do, then the body of Christ is positioned to receive a full reward from God. And so that's why I... I I take uh, every moment that I can. This morning, I, I, I normally don't do this, but I just felt like worshiping the Lord, and I, I put an earpiece into my uh, ear and uh, began listening to worship music from about uh, quarter till, ten till, nine, and was just praising the Lord and spending time with the Lord. And uh, because I was going to stand before His greatest creation, you. In John 12, we used this last week, and we'll use it again this week. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, we say perfume, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with his, her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, and we talked about this last week, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone, and she has kept this for the day of my burial. 
there was a purpose, a spiritual purpose. So understand, giving always has a purpose. There's always a reason to give. There's always a leading to give. There's never just anything that you're pressured to give because someone has some type of thing or need or whatever. You are always led to give. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. The body of Christ was created to be generous. The body of Christ is a, is a body that God created that is always generous and always has hands to give. Never come into the church empty-handed. Never go to a place where God leads you empty-handed. We're not just talking about money, but remember, money is a big aspect of a testing that God does uh, for the body of Christ. Generosity and selfishness is a battle we face on this earth, whether we're generous, whether we're selfish, whether we're spiritual, or whether we're soulish. Generosity comes from God, and selfishness comes from the enemy. We said last week that Judas, his selfishness caused him to hide behind the poor and poverty's attitudes. People do not, are not led to give, are not led to tithe because they hide behind the poor. They hide behind giving to the poor. He said, you will have the poor with you always, and are we to take care of the poor? Absolutely, yes. But there's a poverty's attitude. There's a spiritual thing that brings poverty. And what was explained here and what we talked about last week was that Mary was generous and gave extravagantly. And she experienced a full reward. Remember, you will always be tested in your area of weakness. And the test is not that you will fail, but that you will overcome your weaknesses and you will succeed. Too many people call the tests of God trials. And they're not trials, they're tests. And we need to understand that and need to walk in that. The body of Christ needs to know that God has given you everything that you need in this life and spiritual life. And in the reality of knowing that, church, is that you, the body of Christ, are always led of God. The actions that you take are always led of God. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not like every step you take, say, Lord, you want me to take another step? No, but you're led of God, you're led of the Word, you're led of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it told us this, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able now, here's where the struggle is in a lot of people when we're struggling with our weaknesses and we're trying to change and be transformed and all those spiritual words. We're trying to do something great for the kingdom, <clears throat> but we struggle because we don't see this. But the, with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Always remember, every time you feel fear, you feel a struggle, you feel a trial, there's always a way of escape. 
There's a, a way of escape from falling into your weaknesses. It's the word of God which directs your path. Part of that would be instead of walking in unforgiveness, you walk in forgiveness. Instead of uh, just blaming things on the poor and all the things that are going on in the world, that you're a giver, that you listen to the Lord and you follow giving, that you are patient, that you go the extra mile. See, those are the things that God is asking in times of our weaknesses. He has made a way of escape, and those are the steps. Those are few of many that we will talk about in the next couple months that will help us, the body of Christ, become everything that he called us to be, walking not only in the anointing, but walking in the power as Pastor Dan. He didn't know my notes, but, but as we walk in the power of God, as we walk in the, the literal transformative ability that we have to change nations, we can change our homes, we can change our cities, we can change our nations because we are the body of Christ. When the same thing causes stress and pressure, pause a moment and hear God. That's a way of escape. There's always a purpose of everything that you do. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it because I've been raised in a church. No, that's not a way to do it. You're going to be deceived. But when you know See, I, I love the heart of God and the body of Christ, and I won't embarrass him, but a young man came to me this morning, and he, and, and he said, you know, I, I've, I've got myself in a little trouble, and I need some prayer. And I said, absolutely, I am going to pray for you. And he told me what it was, and he said, but you know what? He says, just being in church and listening to the Word of God and hearing what I'm hearing, he, he basically said, I'm more concerned about the people that I impacted wrongly. And I don't want to pray for me, I want to pray for them. That's the body of Christ. Do we mess up at times? Absolutely. Do we have to pay a debt at times? Absolutely, because of actions. But I want you to understand that Jesus Christ paid the full debt, and then he has made a way of escape. And whatever you've been, have done, whatever you've been through, I want you to understand, you can find the way of escape. And in many instances, it's because you become generous. You're thinking about others and not just yourself. So I'm very proud of you, young men. And you're in this house right now. And everything, God wants your heart. And the test is in our generosity. It's all about the heart. It's not really about the money, even though money's included. He wants your heart. He wants you. We talked about the three levels of giving. The tithe. You return the tithe. It's not yours. 10% of your gross income is, is God's. It's not yours. It's not yours to give. It's yours to return. We talked about the second part of giving is the offering. And then the third is the extravagant, the extravagant giving, where God will speak to you and you do something bigger than you could ever ask or think. Malachi 3 again says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing 
and there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So when you practice returning what is God's, you break the curse and you move to a life of extravagant giving. Again, 32% of church goers, church attenders tithe, and the rest do not. And the rest are fighting curse, but 32% have the ability to go to extravagance. But extravagance has a return, and we're going to talk about that today. So let me say this to you. When you begin to walk in this and God speaks to you about giving big, a very spiritual thing will take place. The spirit of fear will attack you. The moment you begin moving into the upper level of giving, an upper level of of doing things and the generosity and being what the church is. It can be a part of forgiving, where for years you carried out a life of unforgiveness, anger. You, anytime you're around a certain person, you didn't want to be around them. You felt uncomfortable. But now God spoke to you, and you now begin to forgive. And, uh, and in that realm, what the Bible tells us is that fear, a spirit of fear, will attack us. Second Timothy Chapter 1, though, tells us the way of escape. For God has not given us, who is us, the body of Christ, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So I want you to look here at, at the word, or the word sound mind. The word's very interesting here. It's taken from the Greek word, uh, sophroneo, and this is a compound word combining word sozo, and phreneo. Now, sozo means to be saved or delivered. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'm just telling you a part of it. The word suggests something that is delivered, rescued, revived, or salvaged. So this is what I think is amazing. Sozo, sozo means to be protected and is now safe and secure. So think about that, sound mind. The second part of the phrase of sound mind is phreneo. And it carries the idea of a person's intelligence or the total frame of thinking, how the person thinks. You think an engineer, how he thinks. You think a scientist, how he thinks. <clears throat> and what, what the background of his study and, and how they think. You think a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a doctor, and the way they think when they see things and they hear things. They think a certain way. But what this is literally saying is that <clears throat> for Neo, the sound mind is there will be a, a, a total way of thinking, the background of your thinking, the total frame of that thing. So for Neo refers to every part of the human mind. So, with all that, putting both words together, this speaks of you and who you are as the body of Christ. The body of Christ has a sound mind. 
The body of Christ has a way of thinking. The body of Christ has been delivered from wrong thinking. The body of Christ is, is a body that through Christ, through the word, through the anointing of the word, the written, the spoken word, the body of Christ is now living in a specific cultural thinking. Even though we are of many different cultures, we have a way of thinking. And one of the main words, and we're going to bring this out in, in a, about a month or so, one of the main words that, that function in the body of Christ, or literally the culture, the sound thinking, the sound mind of the church is honor. Is that we live in, in amazing honor. Sozo Forneo pictures a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, protected, and is now safe and secure, so fear has no power over you. So when you are tested, when you begin to move into the realm of, of giving, and you begin to move in the realm of generosity, and fear comes at you, and you begin to hear certain words of fear, I want you to know you are delivered from that. That cannot stop you from being generous. That cannot stop you from forgiving. That cannot stop you from being gracious in the midst of people that are mean and cruel. The body of Christ. Doesn't mean you lay down and everybody walks all over you. Absolutely not. Matter of fact, you have authority over that spirit. But you are the body of Christ. You are the ones that bring healing to the world. You are the ones that bring healing to your community. Young people, you are the ones that bring healing to your schools. So let me talk to you now of the reward of being generous or a generosity lifestyle. The passage in John, the, the, the one we read, is also in the books of Matthew and the book of Mark. So let's look at the book of Mark, verse 14, 9. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. <laughs> Mary just came to give, but she got a reward. It says, wherever the gospel is preached, Mary will be recognized. We're doing it now. So I asked the question last week, why was Judas so upset by what Mary did? The answer is that he was selfish and a thief, and he stole from God. And what about Mary? Why did Mary give such a generous gift? The answer is because, listen very closely, two months before this, her brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. As we grow and learn about generosity, much of generosity comes from gratitude. Are you grateful for where you're at? Are you grateful for your spouse? Are you grateful for the job you have, even though you got that ding-dong boss? that you are to love? Are you grateful 
for the position that God's placed you? See, there's a lot of times in the body of Christ we become ungrateful. And becoming ungrateful is then we begin to dishonor one another. The place, the church is the place where we bring gratefulness in. That's why we worship. That's why we dive into worship. And I'm loving what our worship team is doing. And we have to grow in that. We have to accept that. We need to be grateful for that and grow in that realm and become more gracious in our giving to one another, in our graciousness to one another, in our honor to one another. Grateful people are generous. So let me ask you a question. If you had a family member raised from the dead, would your giving change? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What are you grateful for? Well, 30 years ago, God did something. What what are you grateful for today? What is God saying to you? See, God is trying to draw you out into this. And he tests you, in most cases, with your money. And he doesn't want us to hide behind um, poverty's mentality. But he wants us to begin to understand that the reason why we, we, one of the reasons why we're very generous is because God has done such amazing things for our lives. Okay, maybe some of you are, are still hard-shelled. So let me say this. Let me remind you Everyone who is born again has been raised from the dead. Amen? Are you grateful for that? Ephesians 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Remember, together with Christ. Body of Christ, together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up to us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Please understand, Mary didn't come to be rewarded, but Jesus rewarded her because she was a giver. <coughs> Excuse me. God always rewards generosity. Generosity is when you give expecting nothing in return. (laughs) Selfishness is when you give and then you believe God owes you something. There's a fine line there. There's a fine line between giving and knowing that God will return and being a people of faith and giving above and beyond um, what you literally know, think that you have, but you give because you're being led of God. Remember, giving is always being led, and you are led of God, and you give, and because you give, there you can expect a return, but that's not the reason why you give. The reason why you give is because you're generous. The reason why you give is because you have set your heart 
to be a giver. You have set your heart that when the enemy comes in and things happen, there is a way of escape. And the way of escape always is generosity. You're generous because you forgave. You're generous because you gave. You're generous because you're patient. You're generous because you gave a kind word in the midst of chaos. I know this sounds so simplistic, but it's really deep, and it's really the reason why a lot of Christians in the body of Christ are not receiving full reward because they're in bondage of their weaknesses. The Bible says that where we are weak, he is strong. But in order to, there's a button to push to get that strength to manifest in our life, and that is that you see the way of escape and you see the things you need to do out of generosity. Still with me? All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This word rewarder is the only uh, one said in the Bible, only time it is said right here that word. And it means to pay what is due. It means to reward with extravagance. It means to give more that is due. That God is a a rewarder that is above and beyond what you could ever ask or think. That God wants to change that situation in your home. He wants to change that situation at your work. He wants to bring promotion to you But in many instances, the struggle is that we're struggling with a boss, we're struggling with a spouse, we're struggling with a child, we're struggling with this, and and we're thinking, God, what are you going to do to change? And what he's doing is he's testing us, not by causing that to happen, but he's testing us and saying, where are you going to be generous? Where's your way of escape? We get so filled with stuff that comes on the radio and the blogs and at school and all the different things and, and, and there's so much good that is out there that you can hear and learn and grow. But there's stuff that constantly tells you someone else's fault, someone else's problem. They're the one that's doing this. Be angry at this person. Be angry at that person. And God is saying, no. Don't be angry. Now watch this. Oh, pastor, there's a scripture that says, be angry and sin not. There you go. You're angry at the wrong, but you find the way of escape, and your life becomes generous. You have a kind word when they have an awful word. You see pictures all around our, our country and the world where people are angry and everybody else. Okay? There is tribulation in this world. And there is a time to make a stand. And when there's that time to make a stand, you do it. But don't do it with evil. 
There's a time to make a stand at work. When there's a big problem there at work. But don't do it out of evil. Find a way of escape. Well, I'll just quit the job. No, that's the, that's the problem that a lot of Christians do. They quit before God gives the answer. Don't quit. Stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having done everything that you know what to do, stand therefore, Scripture says. And when you do that, then it says put on. And it talks about putting on the armor of God. It talks about being a person that says, you know what, I'm going to pause a moment. Right now, I'm angry. But I'm going to pause a moment, and I'm going to hear the voice of God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Do you know how many problems people have for years, for decades, that if they had just paused a moment, if they would have just said, you know, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's going to go above and beyond. I don't know how this thing can be fixed because to me, it's broken. To me, it's a lost case. But to God, there's always a way of escape. Body of Christ, you have an authority and an anointing to do amazing things. But what it's going to take you and me to do is to pause a moment and to hear the voice of God. Be led of the Holy Spirit and be generous. And God will go above and beyond rewarding that. And he can change your situation. He can change your home. He can change your business. He can change your city. He can change your state. He can change your nation. And he can change the world. By the way, that's the reason why he created the body of Christ. He created the body of Christ to proclaim and walk in the power of God. God gave you and I the authority. Next week, we're going to touch on this and how, how, how God uh, asked Adam to name all the animals. He asked God to name all the animals, and, and he did. Now, why would God ask all the animals, you know, to name all the animals. <laughs> it's because God gave man the authority and the power. Amen. I mean, I don't think God would say hippopotamus, but anyways, it's, you know. Adam was a genius. And in what you're called to do, you're a genius too. I don't know if you're even hearing. Yeah, I do. You are hearing it. But are you really hearing what God's saying to us, the body of Christ? And what he's called you to do, you're the best. Amen. Amen. What he's called the person you're sitting next to, to do, they're the best. 
And when all the besties get together, amen, the body of Christ, and we come together in unity and honor and blessing, what are we going to do? The best. And it will be done God's way. Let me give you God's heart in closing here in your giving. God is not rewarding the amount you return. Okay? Now, people function in different levels of giving. And with that, 30, 60, 100 fold. So you will see there will be larger amount of rewards. But God is not rewarding the amount you return. God is rewarding your honesty or the attitude of your heart. So if you ever think about, I need to give more to the Lord, this is, this is what I really want you to hear today. Instead of first thinking about, instead of giving $10, maybe I should give 20 or instead of going to my neighbor and bake a pie, and instead of doing one, I'm going to do them two pies. Pause a moment and check your heart and let your heart grow in the honesty and the integrity of loving God with all of your heart. That your heart is right. And grow your heart in being right in that. Grow your heart in the attitude of that. And so that when, when the, you know, you do the 10 to the 20, 20 is nothing to you because your heart in giving is so huge. And when you give that pie or when you go the extra mile, when you go to school and you volunteer and you do those things because you want the representation of God to be there, to be a blessing, you check your heart, you grow your heart. How do you grow your heart? You get in the Word of God and you find out who you are. I, I was... Uh, I did a leadership conference yesterday with a lot of our leaders, and, and I said this, this statement. In professional baseball, they really don't care about the average of a pitcher, the batting average of a pitcher. They care about his pitching. Amen? So you get a... Uh, a guy, you know, American League that have designated hitters and then they go play the National League and they get up the bat and you see their batting average, zero. You know, well, what's he playing? He's getting paid millions of dollars to bat zero. So all you baseball fans, you know. By the way, the Rams are playing today, I know. <clears throat> That's why some of you are here early. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the first service. <laughs> but it's not concerned about the average. See, God is not as concerned about the amount. He's concerned about your heart. And when we begin to live our lives in that lifestyle, you, you give. Now, a lot of people will take that and just say, 
Well, what kind of Christian are you if you're not giving to this? You're not giving to that. No, you give with purpose. You give with reason. You give to the poor with purpose. We need to take care of the poor, Scripture says. But Jesus said, but don't, don't live in the poverty attitude of the poor. We have cares ministry. We, we give toys in Christmas. But we give with purpose. There's reason. There's salvations that take place. There's, there's things that go on. We're, we're meeting the need. It's not just because we're just feeling good giving to the poor and we're not generous. The attitude of the heart is such a key. So when your heart is in line with generosity, God cannot not reward you. All you English majors, I'm sorry. But God cannot not reward you. The body of Christ, your head is a rewarder. His name is Jesus Christ. God cannot lie because he is truth. Also, there is a difference in being blessed and rewarded. Statements of future attractions in our teaching. He blesses us with finances. But Genesis 12 says what our reward is. And this is our return. And I, this is, I was in my office in worship, and this is what I was hearing the Holy Spirit saying. Our reward will be Him. Our reward will be Christ. Every one of you, we've all made mistakes in the body of Christ. We're not perfect. But when we begin to understand and we begin to build our heart and we begin to become generous and we begin to, to give and then when the, the enemy comes with fear, we understand who we are. We have that sound mind and we can really move in the power of God and the strength of God. Why? Because God is great. He has set it up perfectly and he set it up or you have the authority. But we must move into the power of God, his presence. That's why we've been fasting. And I've been enjoying my fast. I'm telling you, I haven't been hungry. Once in a while with all that broccoli and beans, you know, I mean. <laughs> There's a song that was written long, long ago. No, no, I won't sing that. <laughs> our reward is Jesus Christ his presence the closeness with him spending every day <laughs> it's so funny every time I'm around the church everybody's talking about food <laughs> you know during the, the well let me tell you the very reason why fast is God knew who we were he blesses us with food we talk about food, guess what? Every time you think about food or talk about food, talk about Jesus. 
listen to Jesus, then you're like Paul. You're just all the time praying continuously. You're just, wow. You're just with the Lord and just enjoying the Lord. When you live out generosity and in the three ways of giving, God again rewards us with himself. Here, all you English majors, I'm going to finish with this statement. When we return to him, us, which is our heart, every need will be met. Watch this for those that we touch. I'm going to say it again. I didn't write down the last part for this specific, specific reason. When we return to him, us, our heart, in generosity, which is our heart, then everyone we touch, their needs will be met. You have someone you're praying for? Begin to move in the power of God of generosity. And I promise you their needs will be met. Just hear me out. Mary didn't expect anything in return. But God rewarded her greater than she could ever ask or think. When the body of Christ gets out of self and begins thinking about others in the purposes of Christ, Generosity will flow, all needs will be met, and God will truly see his church succeed. That's you. He said, it is finished. Honey? You know, honey, it's so important that we develop a generous spirit. And the one statement you made in the beginning that there is a battle of generosity and selfishness in this earth. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, and we'll, we can close with this, that know this, that in the last days, difficult, hard times are going to come. For men will become lovers of themselves. And it goes on with a list of all kinds of things. But the first thing we're going to find that in the earth, man is going to be all consumed with himself and his own needs and his own desires and what pleases him. And there's a whole list, and I'll be teaching on this later, of all the things that you can just see what's happening in our culture and in our society. It's so important that we don't get trapped into that selfish mode and we combat that with spiritual things and developing a generous spirit because then we will then take over and impact society, not letting them impact us. What God has called us to do, what God, God has given us in our spirit. Um, and so just be aware. I mean, don't you, don't you think that? Isn't everybody around you selfish? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not selfish, honey. Um, he's not. He's probably the most generous person I know. But we all can tend to get selfish because we see everybody else doing that. You know, well, what about me? And Anyway, just this is so important that we develop a generous heart and spirit to the Lord and to those around us. Thank you. It's honey. a spiritual thing. Yes, let's all stand.
Let's all stand, please. Oh, man. Do you not know the plan that God has for you this week? It is to move in his power and presence. It is to walk with his sustenance. To go above and beyond in your generosity. To care. It's been many years now since I came back. Uh, I think it's almost 12 years. It'll be 12 years in the summer. We've been back. 13 years? Wow. Time flies. So it's been one year, 13, 12 years. I've been ministering to homeless people in Roland Heights. And I take a drive and I go to, to minister to them, to touch their lives. It's done with purpose, not because they're poor. It's done with generosity, not because they have a need. See, when you're generous, you don't judge people for where they're at. When you're generous, you judge the leading of the Holy Spirit. Your heart grows and you minister to them. I feed them at times. Rarely I give them actual cash. But I feed them. I bring clothes to them, uh, different things. And there are times they disappear for months. I don't see them. And then I see them again. See, I'm led. There are poor people that I walk by, that I drive by. Holy Spirit doesn't lead me to care for them. Generosity is led. It is so smart. A generous person is intelligent in their giving. They're not being ripped off. May you walk in an anointing and a power that you've never, ever had before. May you see in your own heart the love that God has for you. The love that He has for who you are. May you experience a full reward on the things that you do. Again, it's not how big it is, how large it is, how much it is. It's this. The heart. What a privilege it is to stand before you. I'm standing before the greatest creation of God, the body of Christ. Be blessed. Love God with all your heart. And I hope your football team wins. God bless you.